0: They're essentially paying for something that they don't need to be paying for. And as an example of this, another one of our customers had, they used our system, they implemented some of the the uh, alerting tools that we have, like a timestamp when a trailer comes into the yard and then alerts you if it hasn't been used for a certain amount of time. And what they discovered was was actually pretty mind-blowing. They were not using thirty three zero thirty three zero, 30 leased trailers at all. <laughs>
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Logistics planning is hard and it gets harder as the number of incoming and outgoing truckloads grows for a warehouse or a manufacturing facility. While yard management is typically an afterthought as its implications may not impact the core operational and financial transactions, you can't ignore it due to the financial hits caused by unused trailer capacity, detention, and damage fee. Unless you have enough data at your fingertips and automated management of your gate, your yard operations crew might be spending more time dealing with the shouting match Due to the blame game, then adding the real value to your bottom line. In today's episode, we have our guest, Colin Mansfield from Yard Management Solutions, who shares his insights into the process nuances of yard management of manufacturing and warehouse facilities. He also describes the life cycle of yard management and trailers, along with concepts such as drop load, live load, the role of jockey drivers, detention and damage fee. Finally, he discusses the role of YMS in the enterprise architecture, how it interacts with other systems such as WMS, TMS, and ERP and various KPIs relevant to managing a yard. Let me introduce Colin to you. Colin Mansfield is a West Point graduate and five-year Army veteran. After transitioning out of the military as a captain Colin joined Yard Management Solutions as the Director of Sales and Marketing in 2019. This year, YMS was recognized for their fourth consecutive Best IT Innovation Award at the nation's largest supply chain and logistics trade shows. Colin has implemented YMS for companies with over $1 billion in revenue, saving them upwards of 500000 per year. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Colin, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Sam, how are you doing, man?
2: Hey, I am doing wonderful, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for this episode. We have been thinking about this one for some time now. So this is going to be so exciting to dig into all the nuances that we have in the art management. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus these days, Colin?
0: Absolutely. Well, it's great to be on the show, and I appreciate you making the time. I I love listening to your show, and and the interviews are always entertaining, so I hope we can keep today's interview entertaining, too. Yeah, my name's Colin Mansfield. Originally, I'm from Boise, Idaho. Before this, I was in the U.S. Army for nine years. I did four years at the uh, United States Military Academy at West Point, and then I was five years in as an active-duty officer working in air defense artillery. Yeah. Um, Back in 2019, before we had all the craziness with the pandemic, I transitioned from the army as a captain, and I started working as the director of sales and marketing, where I'm at now, which is Yard Management Solutions. Yeah. A little bit about why I'm even interested in logistics and how I got into this. Yeah. When I was in the army, I learned how military operations are sourced, Um, and I noticed that a lot of times the inefficiencies that we'd experience in the in the supply chain of just getting stuff from. Uh, the U.S. overseas, or if we were just doing an operation in the U.S. getting it over to where we were, I came, to, came back to really one one main area, and that was visibility. We just we didn't know a lot of times we didn't know where stuff was. Yeah, we didn't have the integrated tools to figure that out. So that kind of came full circle when I got the job working for Yard Management Solutions. Um, currently, my focus is on onboarding and developing new customers. Um, typically, in the logistics, supply chain, and material handling industries, we'll talk about some of the other interesting industries later on, I'm sure. But I'm also focused on further de- developing our internal processes at YMS. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're, we're moving towards uh, rolling out an updated version of our software. Um, we're calling it YMS 2.0, which we're really excited about. So that's kind of where I'm at right now.
2: Okay, that's very really interesting. And from my personal experience, I have spent a lot of time in the all facets of logistics. Whether you talk about the logistics arm of a manufacturer, or you are talking about a transportation provider, or you are talking about CPL, one of the things that is consistent across the board is going to be logistics is not easy, okay? It's never, ever easy uh, just because of the kind of moving parts that we have in the equation. And predictably delivering something on time so that we can all eat uh, is more difficult than it it actually appears or sounds.
0: True words have never been spoken, man. That is absolutely right on.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So we are going to dig into all of that. Obviously, our core of the conversation is going to be around the art management today. But before we do that, we have one of these standard questions for all of our guests. And that is going to be
0: your perspective on business growth, Colin. I love this. I love this. And, and uh, it's interesting listening to all the different interviews. Everybody has such a unique take on this question. Yep. For me, I believe that growth, business growth is intimately tied to customer service. Yep. Providing a, a great tool, great functionality, and great data. All that is great and it's wonderful, uh, but it's not enough. So engaging with customers, um, identifying their challenges, providing them with really what they specifically need, not just in general, and then responding to their feedback. Well, I'll probably talk a little bit more about creating short feedback loops a little bit later, but really listening to them yeah. um, and then continuously improving. Part of customer service certainly means uh, delivering a product that's yeah. that works really well, but not just as functional is also really easy to learn and simple to use. Um, so I, I think that customer service doesn't start with a product launch. It doesn't start with implementation. If, if that's where it starts, I think you're too late. Yeah. Um, It starts with that first investigative call, that first demo, that first discussion. So for for YMS, where we're at, um, our growth has been tied not just to delivering a product that has great value and all the wonderful things that you'd expect from a cutting-edge software package, um, but more so the high level of customer service that we really target and we focus on. And we discovered that those short feedback loops, uh, listening to a customer and then immediately sort of taking what they say and implementing that has just been huge for us. One one example I can give, we go to trade shows, yeah. um, Modex out in Atlanta, Promat out in Chicago. These are big logistics and supply chain focused trade shows, material handling. And for the last four years we've gone and we've been recognized or we've won awards for best IT innovation. And I I, I wish I could tell you that we're all smart enough yeah, that We just sit in a room. We come up with these genius ideas that, oh, nobody's ever thought of this before. That would be great if that's what happened. That's not how it works, though. We, we develop these relationships with our customers. And we listen to them. And then when they need something, we build it. And then we go to the trade shows, we show it off. So uh, that's why I'm a big fan of, of customer service. And I think that it is essential. It's, like I said, intimately tied uh, to business growth.
2: Okay, amazing insights there. And obviously, who doesn't want any award winning solution? I like to play executive on this podcast. Let's say I find the manufacturing executive. We want <laughs> a really good solution out there that can solve our real problems. But obviously, my challenge as the executive is always going to be in comparing different offerings and the solutions um, mm-hmm. that are uh, that are out there. Something that may have worked for somebody else may not work for me, right? So let's say <laughs> if you talk about the Role of the yard management. So, describe to me which industries are going to be really good fit for yard management. What is the scope of yard management? How does it play overall when you think about, let's say, supply chain or shipping goods from the manufacturer's perspective, maybe from the distributor's perspective? So, describe Mm -hmm. the scope of yard management and then which industries are going to be really relevant when it comes to efficient yard management
0: no that's that's a critical question we got to start from what is yard management when when we say this what does that actually mean yes to put it simply yard management is a critical and specific area of the supply chain that was overlooked for probably the last eight or so until at at least the last eight or so years i should say so how how i like to explain it is just in simple terms you've got buildings right you've got warehouses distribution centers uh, plants, distribution, or uh, production facilities, and those buildings are typically receiving and sending trucks and trailers. So, yep. so that's the other side. You've got the trucks, you've got the trailers. By the way, that doesn't have to be trucks. It could be rail, it could be airplanes, right? Anything that that is going to take goods and and move them somewhere else. Yeah. So those the, those truck drivers, uh, they have to go over to that facility, whatever it is, distribution center, let's say, and they got to pull in, and they got to offload their goods. Well, before they even make it to that to the dock doors of that warehouse, they gotta go through a gate, right? And that gate is where they're gonna get checked in. So the area between that gate and the dock doors of that warehouse distribution center building is typically a big parking lot. It's a big concrete slab out there with a bunch of trailers and vehicles parked around, and that's called the yard. Okay. Um, The yard has traditionally been managed very manually using things like uh, clipboards, pieces of paper, maybe an Excel spreadsheet here or there which introduces a, a lot of complexity when, when you think about a yard you might just say oh it's just it's a parking lot we just put stuff out there right but you multiply that by hundred trailers per day let's say two yeah. 300 parking uh, parking spots you know maybe 50 to 80 dock doors the level of complexity goes up significantly so I would say for years the technological focus in the supply chain has been on key other key areas of of how we move products around for example the warehouse like i mentioned those buildings adding in not just hardware certainly great scanning tools and rfid and that's those sorts of things um, but also software and same thing on the freight transport side gps ensuring that drivers are given the most ideal route from point a to point b but that venn diagram you'll notice kind of misses that point between uh, the warehouse and the driver and and, and that's the yard so it, it's been left behind it's been overlooked. So we talked about those over the road drivers before those drivers even show up at the facility. Really, the first step in all this is to have an appointment, to generate yeah. an appointment at some level. And that appointment is is usually going to be made before that trailer gets there. And it might include information uh, relevant to the load. So, you know, a bill of lading, perhaps what's inside the trailer. You know, it might even have things like a trailer number if we're getting a little bit more specific.
2: Yeah.
0: Once that appointment has been generated, hopefully the, the driver L- hears about that appointment and has the information and knows when they're supposed to show up at the facility. Yeah. Um, when they arrive at that facility, I mentioned the gate, that's the first step. So they got to, they got to go in through the gate. A lot of yards uh, have employees that are at the gate that are uh, checking, verifying that the appointment is there on time, that it's the right load. It's the right information, doing a little check. Sometimes it's security personnel just yeah. ensuring that the perimeter is secure. So the trailer gets in through the gate. Once that trailer is in the yard, there's, a, there's many different things that could happen, but two, two main scenarios. Um, the first one is what we might call a, a drop load. And when we say drop load, what we're talking about is the semi-truck and the trailer are hooked together. Um, they come in, that semi-truck goes to a spot in the yard, a parking spot with lines around it. He physically drops the trailer off there, and then that semi-truck leaves. And the trailer is now in the yard by itself. Yeah. So that's a drop load. Um, a live load situation is a little bit different, In that case, the semi-truck and the trailer stay together. They come in and typically they're gonna go straight to a dock door. They're gonna go straight there, they're gonna get processed, load or unload, and then they're gonna leave. So to kind of hone in then, focus on that drop load scenario for a minute. In a drop load situation, which is, I would say these are probably equally common scenarios in the industry. One doesn't necessarily happen more than others, though uh, specific companies are probably focused on one over the other. That drop scenario though, introduces all these interesting things that have to happen now. So that trailer's yeah. in the yard. It has to get to the dock door somehow. Yeah. So facilities usually employ uh, what are what are sometimes called jockey drivers, uh, shunter drivers, yard drivers. And it's almost like a, a miniaturized, the vehicle is almost like a miniaturized uh, semi-truck yeah. that pulls this trailer around. It puts it at the dock doors, puts it back into the yard. Communicating with those jockey drivers becomes very important. Telling them, hey, the trailer was parked here. Um, It needs to go to dock door 132 next. And then, by the way, now your second move, after you do that, you got to move a trailer from the other side of the yard to another spot. And then your third one. So you start developing a list of moves throughout the yard. So let's say, for example, that jockey driver picks up the trailer, they move it to the dock door. So this is the next kind of link in the chain is what happens at the docks. Um, Typically dock doors, you know, they're either going to be loading or unloading product yeah so being able to track when a trailer is being unloaded, when it's done being unloaded so you can get it off the docks is very critical and then the process kind of goes in reverse, right? so then the jockey driver picks it back up from the docks, yeah. moves it back to the yard. the semi truck shows up probably with another appointment, picks up the trailer later on, drives it off the yard, and they go out through the gate um, so that's a a very standard sort of um, nominal if you want to call it yard setup and it and it shows you how you might look at a parking lot and say, okay, I, I got it. We need to know where things are. Yeah. But suddenly we're talking about dozens of employees, potentially more, yeah. uh, 24 hours a day, hundreds of trailers in the mix. It becomes very, very easy to lose track of what's going on.
2: So this is very interesting. Obviously, the yard management is going to be super critical in understanding You know, when you're coordinating with a lot of different trailers. And I don't know how many industries are going to have... A lot of drivers and a lot of trailers dropping in. Obviously, if you are looking at the large distribution centers, there's right. going to be a lot of traffic there. And obviously, you need some sort of you know, command and control that you can utilize to be able to, to be able to um, you know, take advantage of this. But mm-hmm. when we look at the overarching picture, let's say find the CFO, this seems so far what you have explained, yes, the management is critical. And I don't know who is the stakeholder typically in the organization, who is going to be responsible for this specific function? I don't know if it's going to be more of the logistics manager, who's going to be accountable for this, or is it going to be the warehouse manager? So I don't know who is responsible for that. Maybe you can touch on that a bit. And then how does it tie with my enterprise architecture? Typically, I as my executive, sure, I mean, you need a software, you maintenance guy, you are paying per month. I don't have much of a problem with that, as long as you are not touching my core transaction or the <laughs> core infrastructure. Yeah. But obviously, if you are going to touch anything that is going to impact any other department. I'm going to be slightly more concerned about this. So in your opinion, is it a completely siloed operation that an organization has, or does it communicate with anything else in the organization? And who's going to be responsible for this?
0: Uh, that, that's, those are all great questions. Well, let's let's start from the top. Let's talk about those industries you asked about earlier. And what how I often respond to that is the standard thought is oh logistics supply chain. Oh, I'm not in logistics supply chain. Don't need a YMS. Don't need a yard management system. What I'll say is that it's really any industry that needs to physically track and move product. I mean, we're talking anything from uh, specifically retail, vehicle manufacturing, raw product manufacturing like steel, for example, bulk transloading things like. Taking raw grain and moving it from a truck to a train or vice versa. yeah, um, as well as uh, opportunities like cold storage. We're talking refrigerated units here, so that could be uh, supermarkets, that could be uh, freezer entities. And then within each of those, your question about like who's concerned with this, yeah, it's interesting because we get approached by people from all over the company um, because really what it comes down to is who's the first one to realize that this isn't an inefficiency that can be solved. More often than not, it's somebody like a, a transportation manager, transportation director. Yeah. Um, it could be uh, even as high as a as a uh, COO or a CEO. Sometimes C-suite reaches out to us. Director of operations is very common. But a lot of times, some the, the first person to acknowledge that this is a challenge uh, might be somebody like the IT director, somebody who goes, hey, we have all these disparate systems. To your point, all these systems out there, um, we're missing a YMS piece and none of these systems talk to them, to each other it'd be a lot easier for my job as the IT director to have something that kind of connects the dots here uh so those are those are typically the people that are that are uh, most in, invested and interested but what i'll say is that i've had conversations with uh even just general employees at facilities who go man if if i had a way where i could see my dock doors like physically on a map see them yeah. and know which trailers are in them it would just speed up i wouldn't have to go walk out and And check what's out there so when we talk about people uh, i just say it's the first really the first person who sees this as an issue now to your other question on the enterprise architecture side yeah really finding the right tool for the right job is critical so for anybody out there that's uh, ever tried to open a can with a swiss army knife versus an electronic can opener right you can do the job with both but one's going to be a lot faster so finding the right tool to the right job is critical. And going back to our early discussion, um, the first question you asked, the standard question on growth. Yeah. um, Customer service has really been our driving force in this. So uh, we're not interested in in just being another provider. We don't treat the yard as an optional add-on, as a widget. We're deeply invested in the success of our customers. um, And that means providing them with something that not only is great as a standalone system, that they can use without anything else, but that can also integrate really, really well with their existing system. So more to your question, maybe getting a little bit more specific there. There's a lot of great companies out there that provide products to help manage the yard. Yeah. Um, it's at this point now, many of the, the largest WMS, that's a warehouse management system providers, uh, TMS, transportation management uh, system providers, uh, both of these there are large companies invested in the success of of those key critical areas of, of of an operation. And they've noticed, hey, just like I said, that Venn diagram is missing the yard component. Um, so like I said, a lot of great companies out there, WMS providers, typically they're focused, they're most focused on internal warehouse operations. Yeah. So um, moving product off the shelves, finding the right product, finding the right uh, pallets to put on, palletizing it, getting it over to the dock doors, and then loading it onto trailers, which is all incredibly essential, right? We need that organization at, at our operations. So that dock door piece that I mentioned right at the end there, yep. you'll notice that's a bit of an overlap with yep. what I described earlier on the YMS side. So a lot of times WMS providers will um, offer yard management by offering dock door scheduling, perhaps tracking which dock door, which trailers are at which dock doors yep. at the expense of tracking the rest of the yard. Um, On the TMS side, on the transportation management system side, again, another critical area that I would encourage anybody who doesn't have a TMS to look, uh, get out there and and start investigating because they focus typically on um, the transportation side. So I mentioned those over-the-road drivers. Uh, Transportation management systems are looking at uh, optimizing shipping routes. Um, They also largely have a uh, appointment scheduling system. And that appointment scheduling um, is going to allow them to track inbound and outbound appointments to help ensure that they're optimizing when things are coming in, when things are leaving. And you'll notice, again, there's a little bit of overlap there. So that TMS system, the WMS is kind of getting at the docks. The TMS is kind of getting at the appointments. Yeah. And so they might also say, yeah, we we offer yard management because we're helping you bring trailers in at the right time into your yard. But they're still missing many of those in-between components that I mentioned. So our system in this case, hones in on every area of the yard, including both of those appointment and the dock door piece that I mentioned to to fill in that in between. We also have found that uh, on the on the enterprise architecture side, integrating is just critical. We have customers who come to us and they say, "Hey, our existing provider for you know X, Y, and Z, they you know they they offer some integration opportunities, but we really want to streamline this whole process. What yeah. can you guys build for us?" And, and the good yeah. news. Is that we specifically designed our system to be able to talk really easily with external WMSs, TMSs, GPS systems, hardware systems like RFID, though we're not an RFID provider and that's not how our system is, is, um, is keeping track of the yard. We, we know that all those things are, are beneficial to operations. So we developed a, a global API to make it really easy to integrate uh, with systems that have an API. And for those systems that don't, and you say, hey, I, I have a great I have a great TMS, let's say, um, it doesn't integrate, but it does export a schedule as a spreadsheet, great, let's drag and drop that onto our system, flat file integration and make sure that that is all in one place. So that's, I know that was kind of a lengthy description, but that's that's how we look at it.
2: Yeah, so that was a good counter on the lengthy questions. I mean, I had a million questions there and you answered pretty much everything, yeah. so which is great, right?
1: So <laughs> okay, obviously, good. the answer had
0: to, be, had to
2: be lengthy, okay, great. Uh, so now, actually, I'm actually going to do a little bit of phrase from the executive perspective to make sure. sure that we are connecting the dots here, right? So let's say, I mean, if we talk about the standard uh, WMS warehouse CMS functionality, so as the CFO, as the CEO, uh, as the VP of operations, you know, I'm actually going to get calls if my customers are not getting the goods, if they are not getting shipped timely, mm-hmm. and if I'm not able to connect the dots, then probably I am not getting settled in. So that's where I am going to be asking, okay, can I really do the traceability of my transaction and find out you know, where the problem is, right? So obviously, mm-hmm. when you look at the standard WMS, TMS, warehouse functionality, all of that plays part in tracing the, the entire chain where the goods are sitting in a life cycle where yeah. the customer may be impacted. Now, let's talk about the ad management. Obviously, this is a great piece, but I'm actually trying to connect the dots overall in the architecture. So for example, let's say if I am trying to ship the goods, I have already packed in the warehouse, I have a schedule for the truck, I already have my bill of lading printed. Now the truck is already assigned the carrier that is actually going to take the good or, or uh, you know wherever they are going to take. So now obviously, if I'm the yard manager or if I'm the operations manager for the yard, for me, it's absolutely critical that I should be able to manage the appointments. I should be able to uh, track all of those drop loads that you mentioned or the live loads that you mentioned, I should be able to track all of that. But how is the CFO or the IT director or the the executive being impacted by these internals of the yard ER management? Does it impact the overarching transaction? Do you have an, any insight in that by any chance?
0: That's, a, that's a, yeah, that's a phenomenal question. I mean, uh, let's talk about financial implications. Yeah. Um, financial implications if the yard is not managed well.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, can be a huge indicator of do we need a YMS. Sure. Um, and what I'll tell you is is there's there's uh, each element of the yard that I went through in that kind of tracking the life cycle. There are financial implications for not managing each of those areas, but I'll hone in on three main ones that I, I think are, are are really critical. Okay. Um, the first one is is fees. Um, detention specifically detention and demurrage. Fees. Okay. Um, these fees come into play when a facility is holding on to a trailer for too long. Okay. Um, and generally, this is an indicator that somewhere else in the yard there's there's an inefficiency, there's a slowdown at some stage in that processing the trailer, right? Um, so detention fees are bad, but they're also an indicator that there's room for growth here, room for improvement. Yeah. Um, I've seen, uh, as an example, I've seen uh, customers come to us. One of them had a five hundred thousand dollar Detention spend annual. Interesting. Um, and at, at that level, right, that becomes almost like a budgeted item that you're just yeah. counting on paying. Incredibly high. And perhaps listeners out there are going, "Oh my gosh!" Largely, detention spending is not that high. But just as a case study, yeah. three months after bringing YMS on, they cut that detention spend in half, and since then, it's just been steadily decreasing. So, it's a huge opportunity to to not only identify, okay, where is the inefficiency happening, yeah. but also decreasing uh, increasing the bottom line i mean eliminating an unnecessary fee the second so that's number one that's like hard cash right that's a like easy one to understand
1: yeah
0: yeah um, the second one is is a lack of visibility on leased trailers okay. or rented trailers so a lot of times what operations will do is they will rent or lease trailers to augment either their existing fleet or just because they want uh, a fleet of their own to be able to manage to move yeah. product um, in and out of their facility. Lease trailers are a great opportunity and, and certainly nothing against them out there. The, the challenge can become for that operation that's purchasing those or, or renting those trailers, if they don't know how many trailers they need, yeah. or even better yet, after a period of time, how many they're using, yeah. they're essentially paying for something that they don't need to be paying for. And as a as an example of this, uh, another one of our customers had, they used our system, they implemented some of the, the uh, alerting tools that we have that a timestamp when a trailer comes into the yard and then alerts you if it hasn't been used for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And what they discovered was was actually pretty mind-blowing. They were not using 30, three zero, 30 leased trailers at all. Hmm. Um, and that became a very easy, okay, cut that. That's, that's, I mean, we're talking about 500 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month each, 15 yeah. grand a month total. Uh, you're looking at 180 grand a year, just in, we don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another another easy one. And then the last one, I'll say this one's probably the most you could call it hidden or or uh, difficult to see from the outset, um, but nevertheless, a, a huge financial implication. And that's at the gate. So when a trailer comes into the gate, that guard shack, that gatehouse we talked about earlier. Yeah. There An employee has to be there. Right. right. Uh, typically for, for a, a single gatehouse, usually there's probably two employees. Yeah and then you multiply that by however many gates a customer has whether it's just 1 for a smaller operation or if it's 5 or 6 for a larger yep. operation doesn't matter yep. you're paying an employee 24 hours a day to be there yes the the challenge is, is that that employee is waiting on trucks to come and in between tr- when trucks are coming or worse yet during a slow period of the day when very few are coming they're getting paid to really not do anything and so again you know nothing against those employees they Probably doing their jobs very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's an inefficiency in the yard. And so, one of the things that uh, I highly recommend that that we've instituted as a part of our YMS system is implementing an automatic gate system. Yeah. And what that is, is it's a kiosk display. It removes the need for personnel at the gate completely. You get to reallocate that talent elsewhere or just reduce that cost altogether. You put a touchscreen kiosk at the gate. When a driver pulls up to get checked in, they check themselves in. They tap a button, they put in their appointment number, they put in a trailer number, yeah. and the system tells them where to park. Um, so it's a very simple way to reduce costs. But it's one of those things that a lot of uh, business owners really don't think of until it gets brought up. And they go, yes, we want that. For To put hard numbers to that, you got two guards, 2250 an hour, yeah. 24 hours a day over a year. That's four hundred grand a year.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So ROI is ridiculous on that side. Yeah, a lot of money. So just a few of the ways, if I'm a, uh, you know, if I'm a VP of transportation or or a VP of operations or a CEO, um, these are all indicators that a yard management system uh, is is needed, and these are all ways that we can help reduce costs in the yard and improve efficiencies um, while tying together with existing systems. Okay, this is some amazing insights there. By the way, I love those numbers. Obviously, they are super important,
2: especially if I'm the CFO and I'm looking at the 500,000-dollar yep. line item. I need to, I need to think about that.
0: Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Every CFO is probably going to be thinking about that. So now I need to understand the detention. I think I have a little bit of understanding of the how the detention and how the leading of these trailers work. So why is there a detention fee? Or is this charged? by let's say the transportation companies because they are saying that hey you know what i have dropped your trailer right now and i am asking you to uh, unload this within two hours and i'm going to pick up this within two hours and if you don't do that then i'm actually going to be charging you because i cannot utilize that asset for my own operations because of your own inefficiency so that could be one thing and then the second piece that you mentioned related to the leasing okay so how does the leasing work can you describe that a little bit more why is the leasing required for these trailers for companies? I don't know if these are going to be transportation companies or these are going to be the manufacturing companies that are going to be leasing out. But if you can expand more on that, that would be super amazing.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. A lot of times, uh, lease trailers come into play uh, when you have an operation that owns their own fleet, um, and maybe during a busy season, uh, they they don't they know that they don't need to buy more trailers and incur the all of the risk and costs that come with. Having additional trailers that aren't being used, yeah, and instead they 'll opt to lease trailers. The problem is that you there's some guesswork involved in how many you need. You could base it off last year or the last five years, yeah, uh, but ultimately, if if you don't know for sure what's going to happen this year, which nobody does, yeah then there's a high likelihood that you're going to either choose too few or too many yeah um, too few you're going to notice right away because. Yeah there's going to be a hard time moving goods around Yeah. Uh, too many you're not going to notice. And so that's where that hidden cost kind of comes into play. And the other time you might lease trailers is if you're an operation that, um, that uh, doesn't have your own fleet um, and you'd prefer to move product yourself, perhaps as an in-between when you're looking to buy your own fleet or looking to buy your own trailers, you might lease trailers in the in-between. And again, if, if you're new to it and you go, okay, I think we need this many and then you don't, um, it's very difficult to know that unless you have somebody who's sitting there keeping track of every single move and every single load that's happening. And some organizations do have that. Again, that's a manual. Now you're paying somebody to sit there with a piece of paper and track things. So yeah. we want we want to help remove all that manual labor, provide instant awareness. I, when I say instant awareness, I'm not talking about somebody doing a manual process instead of on a piece of paper. Now they're on a computer just typing it in. No. We're timestamping automatically when trailers come in. We're recording the trailer number. We're recording if it's a lease trailer or not based on what's in the database that's preloaded. Yeah. Um, and then we can tell you, hey, for the last 48 hours, nine of these lease trailers weren't touched at all. Okay. And you go, it's busy season. I guess we don't need those.
2: Yeah, so interesting. So let's talk about the detention. I think that was the second part that you wanted to discuss. Yeah. So, so uh, how does the detention work? Describe to us in terms of who is, really responsible who is really charging who is being charged
0: well no nobody wants to pay detention that's the reality Yeah, Um, nobody wants to pay it. and so often detention fees uh could be passed along they get passed along down the line and it becomes a little bit of the blame game well we were late because of this we didn't show up to the facility on time because of this and Unfortunately, a lot of times if a facility doesn't have, an a, I'm talking about a, a, a yard here or a, a warehouse, if they don't have a way of tracking that detention well, then they don't have any ammo to combat the blame game. Yeah. Um, and that's going to roll downhill and they're going to get that fee and go, well, we don't have any data or information to fight back on this. So that could be. Uh, The port, if they're dealing with a port, sometimes a port will issue detention fees uh, down the line. Sometimes uh, the carriers themselves have their own detention fees uh, associated with the the trailers that they own or that they're leasing not being processed on time. Um, So these can come from all kinds of places. But the end result is that it ends up at the facility. If you don't have a way to go, hey, I know you told us that you showed up at this time. And that's why. So, for example, a carrier comes in. They're late for an appointment. Yeah. They come in. They offload the trailer uh, the trailer gets processed. It gets shipped out and the facility receives a detention bill. And the the carrier says, Hey, I showed up on time and they just weren't ready for me. And so that's why it took so long. So detention bills on them with a YMS, the facility gets to look at their data, look at the reports that are generated, look at the history and see, okay, no, this was a late appointment. Sorry, man. I know you said that you were on time. Maybe you thought you were on time. You know, if, if you're being honest, um, but unfortunately, we know because we checked you in at the gate that you were here late and so detention doesn't apply here. So it just gives a lot more uh, freedom to maneuver yeah. a lot more flexibility uh, because you have that data at your fingertips.
2: Yeah, so that's amazing. So, uh, you know, I am still not sure if I understand the interaction uh, between the carrier and the facility, to be honest. So I was hoping if you could provide some more color there. So especially in the context of lease trailer. So let's say if I'm the carrier, obviously I'm going to have a bunch of trailers that I am utilizing for my customers. And you know whenever my customer wants the goods, then I am actually going to be dropping in their facility. Uh, one of the arrangements is really going to be the drop load. So if I actually do the drop load, then do I give them time that I am going to come back or I'm just going to not come back because you know I have already dropped the trailer and I'm actually going to pick the another trailer from the yard just as a replacement so can you talk about a little bit you know in terms of who owns the trailer are these manufacturers or the distributors who are owning the trailers or is it carrier who's owning the trailer yeah so display some more colors there
0: i mean it, it could be either right so in a in a 3pl situation that's you're talking about a third-party entity who's uh, running that that trailer between what might be two of their customers or perhaps a customer and uh, the customer's partner who just is requiring the goods to be delivered. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about a more straightforward situation, then perhaps the, uh, the plant that's producing that product owns their own fleet and is shipping it off. Okay. Um, and perhaps the, the warehouse itself owns their own fleet and they're going to pick up product and then bring it back. All of those are, are, um, equally likely scenarios um, at the end of the day, the detention—what it comes down to—is specifically for a carrier. Carriers uh, don't want to pay those fees. They could be paying those fees to a port. They could be paying those fees to the plant. They could be paying those fees to another entity that the um, that the yard doesn't doesn't know about. They get that bill, and that carrier is going to go, "Hey, that uh, actually wasn't wasn't us. That's that was the the facility." So, um, a lot of times, from a facility standpoint you're just you're you're receiving these bills and if you don't know what trailers these apply to if you're not able to look back on history and find who this applies to you're really just going to have you're going to end up paying a lot of money that that's unnecessary so um I know that doesn't shed total light on it but from a facilities perspective what it comes down to is paying less money for things that you weren't responsible for or if you were responsible for them and you identify yep hey, this was detention incurred because a trailer came into our yard. It stayed here for 72 hours. We didn't notice it. Now you have the opportunity to to fix that and to look and see in the yard, where is the slowdown happening? For example, a a great one, and this applies to the detention that we were just talking about, appointment status. So if, if you're using some sort of external appointment scheduling tool, you might have this, you might not. Being able to track not just when an appointment is, yeah, but whether a trailer is late, if it's on time, if it's early, um, that's key. So you need some checkpoint that is dependable that can identify that the trailer has arrived. Um, typically, that's the gate that could be a uh, some sort of uh, receiving office. Yeah. Maybe in some cases, instead of getting checked in at the gate, a driver will come in, park, get out of their truck, go into an office and say, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Um, either way, to have an, a, a, uh, a way to track that and a button to press that says, yep, this guy's here and to get that timestamp is key. So that's one KPI. Um, the next one that I'll talk about is turn times. Um, turn times are kind of a, a hot topic uh, in the logistics industry. Really all it is, is the amount of time that it takes to bring a trailer into the yard, process it and get it off the yard. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a turn time is essential. Getting, a, getting low turn times, Turn, uh, being able to process a trailer very very quickly, and sometimes that that turn time gets almost blamed on uh, the warehouse. Yeah. So you might say, hey, we didn't we didn't process a, a truck fast enough, warehouse. You got to do a better job of picking. But as we've seen in the yard, there's a lot of different things that happen before that trailer even gets to the docks, right? Yeah. So turn times are, are are key. The other one is dwell times. Dwell times do apply a little bit more specifically to the docks. Um because now we're talking about how long a trailer is at the docks, so it's almost like a a uh time frame within a time frame, yeah, dwell times yeah. are within turn times, um but now you're it's a specific k p i that applies to how quickly a trailer gets on and off the dock um so between those, the dwell times and the turn times, if you have both of those metrics and you see hey our uh our dwell times are very, very fast or very, very low, I guess you could say, our turn times are not, yeah, and we're paying detention fees, yeah, okay. We know it's not the docks. Could it be the jockeys? Could yeah. it be the gate? Yeah Could it be that we're doing too many yard checks? These are all now you've narrowed it down, essentially. Yeah. I mentioned jockey drivers. This was one that we, we talked about, that uh, workflow of the yard, a trailer uh, history in the yard. Jockey drivers are um, typically working their butts off, right? Yeah. They're out there making it happen. They're moving trailers from point A to point B. The reality is that a lot of organizations spend time. Unnecessary time communicating with those jockey drivers that could just be handled instantaneously. As an example, radios. Uh, radios are slow. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. You got to hop on a radio. You call somebody. They got to respond and say, "Yes, I hear you." Then you pass them the instructions. Then they say, "Yes, I got it." And it's a lot of back and forth. Yeah. So if we can eliminate radios in the yard, already your jockeys are going to be happier, right? So when we talk about KPIs, though. That feeds into a huge k p i which is how many moves is a jockey doing on yeah. average, and how long are those moves taking so again, we're narrowing it down even further now, okay, we know it wasn't the dock, we know it wasn't uh yard checks because we're only doing one of those a day. okay, do we have enough jockey drivers, or are our jockey drivers able to respond and process moves fast enough to avoid paying things like detention okay and i I, I mean those are just some examples of of metrics i i uh I'm sure we could get into others if you'd like. But when we talk about those unnecessary fees, like lease trailers, like uh, paying detention and demurrage, like the automatic gate, really what we're looking at is reducing the amount of time that it takes to process a load. um, Reducing the amount of time it takes to to bring a trailer in and to process it out that turn time.
2: Yeah, amazing. So that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts or remarks, uh, Colin, for our listeners?
0: No, that's a. This has been a lot of fun. I I love digging into it and kind of peeling back the layers. You're great at doing that, Sam. I guess if I could give any advice to any, uh, you know, whether it's a, a C-suite somebody out there that's listening to your show, um, or even if it's somebody that just goes, hey, I work at a I work at a, a facility and man, I think we could use this. Um, if you don't already have a dedicated YMS, or if you're not sure you have one, check it out and get one. It's going to not only ha- provide huge opportunities for minimizing costs, but also increasing efficiency. When you're looking for YMSs, you're comparing them, look for something that's easy to learn and simple to use. Make sure your employees don't have to learn how to manage a database to, to manage a yard. And then uh, look for something that pr- provides real-time visibility. A visibility doesn't mean a, an updated spreadsheet. and It doesn't mean uh, a, a columns and rows of, of database entries showing when trailers arrive. It means a map. It means being able to see where a trailer's at and action on it.
2: My personal takeaway from this conversation, which is going to be, obviously, you know, when you look at any functional area in any operation, there are always going to be opportunities. And even in case of yard, you seem to have a lot of moving pieces, a lot of different KPIs that a lot of manufacturers or distributors might not be tracking or might not be tracking the cost. So it is really important to pay attention to to these things. But unless you have a system that can provide you the visibility, you will not be able to track all of those. On that note, Colin, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a fascinating episode.
0: Hey, thank you, Sam. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, Have a great rest of your day. I cannot thank our guests enough for
2: coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Colin or Yard Management Solutions, head over to yardmanagementsolutions.com. It's Y A R D M A N A G E M E N T S O L U T I O N S.com. You can also schedule a live software demo from the site. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Michael Peitel, who shares how he can create a far more precise digital twin of the warehouse by mapping warehouse workers in the system. Also, the interview with Kevin Paramore, who discusses the nuances of robotic automation of warehouse